But yeah, I'm going to continue with our series on Let's Talk. And Let's Talk, the reason why we're going through this series, it's all about the words we speak or the words we think. And um, I've just really been thinking about the power of words lately um, with this series. Because did you guys know that words are extremely powerful? And I'm not just saying that because I was an English major or because I studied linguistics, but I'm saying that because words really, really are powerful. And I wanted to write a few examples to truly show the power of words. Um, And I have some sentences up here on this, and I'm going to read them out loud too. Yeah, they're pretty extreme. So, will you go out with me? It's the first one. The next one, I'm pregnant. I have some bad news. Congratulations, you've won. Like, what have I won? Ooh. Or really extreme, you have cancer. Or I have some bad news. Or really exciting, will you marry me? Or really sad, I want a divorce. What, what I wanted to show you guys with these is that, like, literally the longest one is only six words. But in a single sentence, our entire emotional energy can change in a second. Fear, anxiety, joy, sorrow. Words are extremely powerful. And I mean, if you think about it, we only have a few ways to communicate with each other, to share our ideas or our thoughts or how we are feeling or what is happening to us. There really is just words, body expressions, and actions, and that's it. Words are the way we process our entire life and our entire world and even life after death. They're the ways that we get to know each other and to be known by other people. But I've noticed that we kind of take words for granted these days. And it's probably because we see words everywhere, like advertisements on campus, on websites, and emails and billboards. And then there's Twitter and there's Facebook and there's Instagram. And then there's videos that are playing at you all the time. And then you're reading words on like, in your books or blogs or articles. And then people are saying words at you all the time, like your professors or when you go out to coffee with someone or if you go into Starbucks or go into the city, like everyone is talking all at once. Our world, our screens and our minds are noisy and words are crowding everything. And sometimes we can't even focus on what's being said anymore. So much is thrown at us that we can't even take in all the words that we hear, that we think, that we say, and that we read. So with all the words that are running around in our heads and thrown at us, it really isn't a surprise that we just don't realize that words matter anymore. But as I said, words are powerful. And words can haunt us as well. Have you guys ever had a time where someone said something to you that you still remember years later? So I wanted to tell you guys a story of some words that were said to me when I was a child 
probably not intended for me to be, like, even remember them for so long. But I do remember them. So, were any of you guys in public school and have a bully growing up? Any bullies? I mean, you're not bullies, but you had a bully. <laughs> I'm not telling you to raise your hand if you're a bully. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had a few bullies in, in elementary school. Um, and the one I'm going to talk about today, I don't think she even intentionally meant to be a bully, but she just, she just was. And um, in elementary school, I was an incredibly shy child. Like, I really hardly ever talked. Like, ever. I would respond to my teachers if they wanted me to. Um, but I was more like Hermione from Harry Potter, where, like, I loved learning and I loved books, but I was really bad at making friends. I just wasn't good at it. And I spent most of my recesses alone. Um, and then after school, I followed my sister around and all of her friends because I didn't have anyone that was, like, actually in town. Um, but in second grade, I ended up making my first real friend. And um, she had moved in just up the road from us, and her name was Sarah. And I remember she really liked playing sports, like basketball, and so did I, so we hit it off. And we spent most of our time together after school. And pretty much her mom was, like, my second mom, because I was over so often. But when we were in school, we didn't really interact. Because you see, Sarah was one of the popular girls. And we had, they had this little clique in my elementary school. I don't know how they get cliques in second grade, but they do. Um, but there was these four girls, and they were the prettiest girls in my grade. And when Sarah moved into town, she was immediately noticed by them and was invited into the club. So Sarah, being my best friend, like we still wanted to like spend recess together, and I wanted to spend time and have fun. But during recess, the club's rules were that you only spent time with the other club girls, and I was not in the club. But Sarah had a plan. She really wanted to be in the club, and she wanted to still have me as her friend. So she decided that the plan was to get me into the club. And they apparently had passwords to get into the club. I mean, you gotta love little kids, like passwords and secret languages and all those like weird things that you do as a kid. But um, so Sarah told me to approach the club at recess and tell them that I wanted to join and then give them the most recent password, which she then told me what the password was. Um, and so that was what I did. I followed her advice. And nervous little seven-year-old me, I walked right up to the leader of the popular girls' pack, and I told her that I would like to be in the club. And then she looks at me and she's like, all right, then what's the password? It's like, well... This is the password. And I felt like so like, yeah, I'm going to make it. And then she just like looked at me and smiled. 
And then she told me that she decided to change the password right then, because that's how the rules work. But um, I remember saying something to the effect of, like, well, that's not fair, like, but I knew the password. And then she said something I still remember to this day. She told me that she couldn't let me be in the club because I was too ugly and not cool enough. So, like, it was such a small sentence. Like, really. And it was so many years ago. But I can still remember that day, like, super clearly. And honestly, like, being rejected like that in front of those girls and in front of my best friend, um, it was like no small matter at that age. And like honestly, like those words haunted me. All of your guys' responses just like got me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she, those words like, I was ugly, I was not cool. And for the rest of my time at school, like I truly did believe those things. And, like, at the rest of, like, elementary school, Sarah was the cool kid, and I was alone. Like, I, I never did really get to hang out with her. But um, she would only be seen with me when we were out in the neighborhood, like, after school. So, those words that that girl said to me, like, I never really got over them. And I started, like, believing that I was ugly or believing that I was not cool and, like, all the way through middle school and, like, high school. And, like, I really was pretty dorky and pretty nerdy. Like, let's be real. I really was. <laughs> um, I never was popular. Um, and I really just kind of tried to keep my head down. And, like, yeah, that mindset just, like, totally affected me as a child and, like, into, like, my adult life, too. And sometimes, like, I still feel like an outsider or, like, I'll be rejected at any moment just because it happened at such a young age. And really, it takes, like, coming to God and, like, seeing myself as he sees me to get out of those unhealthy ways of, like, thinking about myself. So I want to re-ask you guys the question I asked earlier. Have you ever had a time where someone said something to you that you still remember years later. Maybe they called you a failure, or maybe they rejected you or called you ugly or called you stupid. Those are words, like, the words that that girl said to me, like, deeply wounded me. But, like, thinking about it, do you think that that girl remembers saying that to me? I am guessing that she has no memory of it. Like, she was literally only, like, eight years old. <laughs> like, that's really young. But, like, do you, do you think that the harsh words that people have said to you in the past, that they remember saying those things? And now the next thing I want to ask you guys is, what things do you remember saying that wounded others? Because I think oftentimes we forget the hurtful things we say to other people. But I honestly never forget the things that people say to wound me. Isn't that kind of strange?
So in terms of talking about the importance of words, I think if we want to make sure we don't haunt people with the words we say, or like if we don't want to hurt people, we need to be really careful with what comes out of our mouths. If we want to learn to be loving people, people who bring healing to others and make them feel valued, one of the most powerful things that could make or break our relationships is our words. Whether you say the wrong thing or you don't say anything at all, words present or not could damage someone for the rest of their lives. And if that is so, shouldn't we be intentional and careful about the things we say, the things we write, and especially what we think? Because those can seep out of us if we aren't careful. So God cares about our words, and that is kind of the reason we are going through this topic of let's talk this quarter. Because the Bible actually has much more to say about our words than we think. Um, And they affect us and others more than we realize. And I think it's time we start taking words more seriously. So the title of my talk today with Let's Talk is Selfishness Versus Humility. And um, we're going to get into reading scripture. Uh, And two weeks ago, actually, Michael set me up really well because he actually read some of the passage I'm going to be going through today, and he actually called this passage a doozy, and it really is. So um, I believe it has a lot of good things to tell us tonight. Um, It's James chapter 4, and we're going to read the whole thing, so um, feel free to open your Bibles, and uh, I will go ahead and read our scripture today. So... What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? 
Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Well, that's a, it's a little strong, isn't it? But scripture is good. Um, it can uh, sometimes feel like a knife slicing through you, as this passage. But um, sometimes we really do need it, don't we? Uh, So this chapter has a lot to say about our words. As I read and reread these words, I noticed that James talks about fighting, boasting, and judging others. And those all have to do with words that are in our minds and in our mouths, don't they? And I would like to begin talking about this passage right where James starts. He asks this question in this first verse, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And I would like to rephrase that question and ask, why do we fight? Why do we quarrel? Why do we boast and judge and speak harshly? Why? And I want want to answer this question because sometimes I just can't believe the things that I say and the things that I think. Like, I can be so bitter and so rude and so judgmental, but I don't really want to be that way. Anyone else ever feel that way? So if I don't want to do what I do, why am I doing it in the first place? And as I was uh, going for walks and thinking through this scripture and thinking about speaking tonight, I felt this theme reoccurring in my mind over and over again. Most of our problems with people and most of our sin problems are due to, sh- to selfishness. And I think our world is becoming more and more selfish over time, and I'm realizing I'm more and more selfish over time. And doesn't it sound like selfishness when you read this passage? It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So what was the last fight that you had? Or what what are some of the fights that you had this quarter with people? What were they about? What was said? And here are some of the fights that I can remember from my times in college. I remember fighting with my professors about an unfair assignment or grade. I remember fighting with my roommates over rent, over utilities, and especially over dishes. Um, I remember fighting with a girl in my core because she didn't understand what I was saying. And I remember fighting with my boyfriend for... ah, A lot of things. I'm sorry, Joe. (laughs) So now with those, those fights, the ones that I had and the ones that you are thinking of right now, 
what are we trying to accomplish? A lot of times, I fight with someone because I don't feel like I'm valued. I don't feel like I'm being understood. Or I desire someone to change how they are treating me, so I tell them that they're doing it wrong. I want someone to understand my side of the story, or I dislike how someone is treating me. We often don't fight with people because we are thinking of their side of the story. And we often don't fight with others for their best interest. And honestly, were any of those fights necessary? Or could it have been solved a different way rather than thinking all about my own side of the story? So besides fighting, this scripture also talks about um, slandering. So it says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And I don't think we often use the word slander very often anymore, um, but we do use a word that I think we can replace it with. So oftentimes when I read this, I, I read, brothers and sisters, do not gossip about one another. Or you can look at the second sentence and realize that slandering is when we speak against others or when we judge them. And I'm not sure about you, but I am so much more guilty of judging others and gossiping than I am of fighting. And I honestly judge so much, you guys. It was so hard writing this message the last couple of weeks because thinking about not judging, I noticed how much I was judging, like so much. And if you think about all the things you can judge someone in, like you can judge their clothes, their levels of activity, their academics, their cleanliness of where they live, the cleanliness of their bodies, the music interests that they have or their emotional state or how they speak or how they walk. What do they do for hobbies? How much money do they make? The words they say? Do they recycle? Like, there's so many, like, ridiculous things that you can, like, judge people about. Um, and if we can pretty much criticize, like, every single little detail about everyone. And sadly, I realize that I criticize and I judge way more than I want to. But why do I do it? So I want to get back to what I said earlier. The reason why is because I am so selfish. So let's unpack this. Like, what does it mean to be selfish? So in the past, I thought being selfish meant that I was really into myself or, I guess, proud. And a lot of times, like in the Bible, um, it talks about how God opposes or dislikes the people who are prideful, like even in this passage, if you look at verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud. And yes, we do struggle as people with pride. If you are like me, you might have some pride in feeling like you deserve like special treatment or you might have more of a right to something than someone else does. But more than pride, what I see affecting our community a lot and affecting myself is a different kind of selfishness. 
In fact, I didn't even realize it was selfishness until I started realizing that I was struggling to relate to others in a healthy way because of it. Because selfishness can come in the very strong category of insecurity and lack of self-esteem. So why do I boast about myself? Why do I judge others and compare myself with other people? Oftentimes, it isn't because of pride. It is because I am so insecure, I am trying to make myself feel better. I slander others in my mind, in my words, just so I can feel better about who I am. Like saying, well, at least I have better clothes than her, or at least I am smarter than him. But ultimately, I just wonder if people are judging me in the same way, tearing me apart in their minds as I am doing with them. And so this process of slandering others to make myself feel better ends up with me feeling even worse about myself. Because this selfishness, this insecurity, is really all-consuming. And I've realized that oftentimes I am just so unsure about myself criticizing everything about myself, like thinking, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I'm not athletic enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not a hard enough worker. There isn't room in my mind for much else. There isn't even room to think about the people that I love. Have you ever not been able to listen to what someone is saying to you in a conversation because you are wondering about something about yourself? You literally just can't hear them. So selfishness is not just having a high self-esteem. It means being completely self-focused. This means if you struggle with self-image or putting yourself down or not liking yourself, you can be just as much, if not more, selfish than those who we think of being as into themselves. So um, last week I was reading an article by Tim Elmore. He's the author of Habitudes, by the way, um, which is a book on the back table. And I just found this quote, like, extremely powerful. So I decided to share it with you guys. It says, consider this thought. Among the many reasons for the rise in narcissism, narcissism is like obsession of self or self-focus or being selfish, Today is the notion that a student feels like a mere number, that they aren't special after all. It's the fear of being ordinary and a reaction to feeling shame for being so common. Perhaps it's an overreaction, compensating for the quiet despair that they are not valuable to others or to society. It's the fear they won't be famous, they won't get a million followers on Twitter, They won't get 10,000 likes on a social media platform. If that is our culture's scorecard, then it's enough to push a kid to do strange things to feel better. Our worst sins arise from the desperate fear that we are worthless. I'm going to say that last sentence again. Our worst sins arise from the desperate fear that we are worthless. This resonated with me a lot. If I 
think about it truly, why am I so selfish? Why do I fight? Why do I judge? What am I trying to accomplish? What do I desire? And what do I want that I don't have? I fear that I am worthless. I fear that I will not be loved. And I am looking to get rid of those fears in a totally unhealthy way of comparing myself to others and bringing others down. So what are you trying to get that you don't have? What do you desire? And are your desires so important that it is worth tearing others down to get what you are looking for? So, how does being selfish relate to how we speak? So, like this fighting and this judging, how, do, how does it affect how we speak and how we think? And it really all comes down to our priorities. So, do you put yourself first? You will always be thinking of yourself and always talking about yourself if you do. And have you ever noticed that you just talk about yourself way too much in a conversation with people? Or have you noticed that all you see in other people are their issues? And have you ever spent time with someone that you could tell that they didn't really care about you or really like care about the conversation going on? Because I've totally had those. And then I ask, like, why, why would I want to spend time with them again? Or if someone is constantly fighting with me to get their point across, like, would I want to spend time with them anymore? Like, I might avoid them in a crowd. Because here's what I've noticed in myself when I start putting myself first above anyone else. I, number one, I end up noticing, like, I won't notice anyone else but myself. Number two, I don't like or appreciate others. And number three, I hurt and wound both myself and other people. So starting with like hurting myself with how I'm like being self-centered or thinking or judging, um, I realized that like self-talk in thoughts like hurt me so much. I did not realize that this was a thing until I started developing depression. And Michael actually lent me a book at this time, and it was called Telling Yourself the Truth. And it was an extremely powerful read. Um, it talks about how what you believe about yourself is how you will start acting or like what you really believe about the world. And you start thinking that other people are believing the same things that you believe in your head. So since I thought I was ugly, I started acting like that. And I believed that others thought the same about me. I just thought it was truth. And I also was telling myself that I was failing in life. So I believed that was exactly what other people thought of me when they really didn't. So if you aren't careful with what you think, you can hurt yourself a lot. So if you guys struggle with, like, depression or, like, thoughts about yourself, like, I really encourage reading Telling Yourself the Truth. And then with hurting others, like, if we aren't able to see the perspective of other people, we can hurt them so easily without realizing we're even doing it. 
And if you remember me talking about words that haunt us, like you can easily say those things without even knowing what you're saying. And as we become more selfish, we isolate ourselves and become more miserable. I think if we aren't careful with our judgmental thoughts or with stopping fighting with people, it can change who we are completely. The more we judge, the more we act on those judgments. The more we put others down, the less we appreciate them or even want to be their friends. So basically, we become all alone in our minds, not present with other people anymore. And so if our main desire is to be loved, valued, and cared for, being self-centered totally defeats those as we aren't able to even be close to other people or close to God anymore. So... Now that we just talked a lot about being selfish, how do we stop being selfish? How do we limit fighting and judging and boasting? Like, how do we stop this, like, unhealthy process? Yeah, how do we stop allowing our worries of being worthless control our lives? And I have several practical ways to change our patterns and our thought processes. And the first one is to become truly humble. And sometimes, I think people have the wrong idea about the word humble. Uh, Mostly I hear people say that becoming humble means that you are becoming low or think lower of ourselves. And that might be true if we're prideful, but humility honestly does not mean that we have to put ourselves down. It means seeing ourselves as God sees us, and seeing God as he really is. Becoming humble means giving glory to God and seeing yourself and others in the right light. And here's what I mean by that. So, number one, we have to see God as he truly is. God truly is greater than us. And God, like, he is way more like, he's actually good. Like, we are not as good as God. And that is not really a bad thing to say, because who of us can say that we created a whole universe and know the past and the future of all things? And I know that that's kind of a strange way to put it, but um, honestly, like, when you see God as, like, actually greater than you, like, that's a good thing, and... It also means that, like, we need to remember that without God, we wouldn't even exist. And I really encourage you guys, if you don't know what, like, God says about himself or don't know, like, who God is, I would really encourage you to read his word and spend time with him and learn from him. And the second thing about being humble is we have to see ourselves as God sees us. And I think God doesn't just oppose the proud. I think he really opposes those who harshly judge themselves that they aren't able to love others or even love themselves. Because God calls us fearfully and wonderfully made. He even says that we are made in his own image. And when he made humans, he stopped and said, It is good. So God considered, considers all of us well-made, and yet we judge his workmanship and say it isn't enough. 
So don't you realize that when you are criticizing yourself or criticizing other people, you are criticizing God and his plans and how he made us. So um, I went through a Bible study maybe about a year and a half ago um, where it had verses about who we are in Christ. And it's going to be really small, um, but if you guys want to take pictures of those, you can to look up verses of, like, what God says about us. And it's specifically supposed to be, like, um, for people who really have low self-esteem. And, like, it was such an encouraging, like, read for me to, like, read through all these things. And if you guys, like, can't see them and want to have them, just come up and I can, like, just message you really quick, like, the pictures of these. Because they really are really good. So when I see someone who is truly humble, I don't see someone who is saying horrible things about them. They are relaxed. They're not trying so hard. And they're trusting in what God says about them. When we know God and know what he says about us, it is incredibly freeing. We become so much more relaxed as we learn that God loves us dearly. And we are in the hands and can rely on a father who can do impossible things, wonderful things, and is compassionate, gracious, willing to save, and provides for us. When we know those things, there isn't room in our minds to worry if our hair looks okay or if we can pay rent next month. God has got us covered And it doesn't matter so much in the scope of eternity, in the scope of having Jesus, who will never stop loving you, no matter what. So the second way of becoming unselfish is to stop taking matters into our own hands. So besides tearing others down with words in our minds and out loud, we can do something else in our fear of being worthless or in total selfishness. So James warns us that in this process of trying to get what we want, we do other things that do not please God, like boasting about ourselves or planning our lives without God. So we're going to look at verses 13 through 17 from James 4. It says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why... You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. So, now I'm going to ask a question of you guys. Have you ever told someone your plan for your life to impress them? Anyone? Like, even as a little kid, like, do you remember being like, yeah, I'm going to be a firefighter, or I'm going to be a doctor? Like, I totally did that as a kid. Like, I wanted, I, I would tell people that I wanted to be a doctor, or... Some people, I would tell them I wanted to be an artist, depending on what I thought they wanted to hear, Um, because I really wanted to impress them. And even back in college, when I was a student at Western, I did this as well. 
Like, if I think back on it, I chose my major because of three things. Number one, did it meet the expectations of my parents? Number two, was it considered a prestigious job in the world? And number three, did it make good money? Literally, those were like the three things that really helped choose like my major. And I was planning on getting my PhD in literature and becoming a professor. And sure, I could have seen myself enjoying the job, but the reason I came up with that plan was not a good one. Like, I could always spin it to look good. Like, I wanted to help college students learn how to follow Jesus and be a good example to them as a professor. But honestly, that was an afterthought in my plan. I wanted the job because I knew others would look up to me, especially my parents. So I want you to think about what you are planning for your lives, for your future. Are you planning your future specifically to make yourself look good? Are you choosing the most prestigious job so that also, like, like someone can, oh, I couldn't read that sentence. I'm going to skip that one. It was kind of weirdly worded anyways. Um, but anyways, like, unfortunately, I think that most people choose their majors and their future jobs because of this reason, kind of to impress people and to boast. So have you ever made plans for your life just to impress other people? And how much of your plan for after graduation is to impress others or to impress God? And have you ever prayed about what God wants you to do after graduation or ask the question, does this plan for my life honor God or honor myself? And have you ever been too afraid to switch your plans because you are afraid you will disappoint your family, your friends, or yourself? Because if we want to stop being selfish, we need to stop taking our self-worth into our own hands. We need to stop building ourselves up. We need to make we really need to stop making ourselves more important by judging others or by boasting or by fighting. We can let all of that go. We must stop trying to control the plans for our lives and remember that God is the one who knows the best for our lives because he made us and he has a plan for each and every one of us. So we have to let go of our idea for our life and pray to God, like, what what has he planned for me? And I challenge you, if you do actually hear from God and you don't like what he says, please wrestle with him and remember that whatever he asked you to do, it is for your best interest. Yeah, don't reject what God calls you to do um, if you think it just looks less prestigious than what you than what you already have planned for your life. You can talk to me about campus ministry sometime versus uh, being a professor. Like, I really wanted to be a professor, but I'm so glad I'm in campus ministry now. All right, and then the last thing that I think we need to do to become less selfish is to come near to God, which is what this verse, um, a verse in here says, is to come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
God and his word can truly change us. And I really mean it. Like, it has changed me so much over the years. And one of the verses that really spoke to me early in my faith, and I still love it so much, is Matthew 7, um, 7 through 8. It says, well, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So, do you desire to be valuable? Do you desire to be loved? Do you desire to be less selfish and more loving to other people? Because all of those things you can go to God for, and he really does provide. Because God gives us purpose, and he loves us more than any other person ever could. And if we submit to him and come near to him, he can heal us and give us purpose. So will you come near to him and allow him to come near to you in every area of your life, in your words, and in your mind, and in your relationships, and in your future? So I have some application questions for you guys to reflect on. Um, So, um, yeah, the first one is reflect on how often do I fight with others and judge others or try to glorify myself by boasting. And I really, really impress upon you guys to, like, repent and talk to God about that and really ask God to change your heart. And the second one is, in what ways have I been selfish lately? What action steps will I take to become less self-centered? What prideful thoughts or self-loathing thoughts are distracting me from God and from others? And what thoughts are holding me back? And have you ever made plans for your life just to impress other people? How much is your plan for your life right now to make yourself happy to impress others or to impress God? And how are you going to seek God and become closer to him at this time? So worship team, if you would like to come up um, and get ready for our time of worship, I'm going to close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that um, you really are an amazing God that truly loves us. I thank you that, um, yeah, that you can heal us and that you can bring us into a right relationship with you and into a right relationship with other people. And I pray that um, we would really like just come to learn so much about who you are and how amazing you are, and also really learn, um, yeah, just like how we need to change in the future. And I thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing tonight. Amen.